Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. All right, welcome into the Patriots Wire pod, the show where I take on the role of a rational fan and Henry calms me down with rational, analytical thoughts. That's usually what happens on this show. And Henry, my thoughts are all over the place this week. I mean, we've got a one and two Patriots team that feels mediocre at best. And we got Tom Brady returning to Gillette Stadium as a Tampa Bay Buck in a matter of days. So I feel, you know, obviously I feel a certain way about that. And then, you know, we've talked about this a little bit maybe back in the summer, but my wife and I are expecting a, a baby boy any day now sometime in the next week or two. So, I mean, I've never been in more need of a Patriots Wire therapy session. I think this is this is the day I need it the most. Yeah, well, first and foremost, priorities. Big yeah. congratulations Thank you, sir. Thank from you. both me and I'm sure from all of our listeners. Man, I appreciate it. It's, um, you know, we're, we're feeling it, man. It's like doctor's appointments all the time. You know, I've been, you know, due date's October 9th, but I've been uh, convinced that the baby's coming October 3rd, you know, right when that ball kicks off Patriots bucks. I've been, I've been saying it, I've been saying it for months. I know it's coming and it just, it just feels like it's, that's what's going to happen. But, uh, you're right. Well, you know, the baby can't goes. possibly miss that game. I mean, all of America wants to see Yeah. That game, yeah. So. He's going to make sure he's there for it. And, uh, yeah, it'll be something. So. There's a lot to get to with that one, uh, you know, in terms of the game and Brady returning, and we're going to get into all that. But I just wanted to start off today or this week, Henry, just talking about some of the things that went down in this Saints loss that are sticking with me as a as the fan. And I'm just first and foremost, Alvin Kamara, like how many times do we talk about how Belichick takes away the other team's best player? And, and, you know, with the defense we have this year, how the defense is kind of leading the way, helping out the rookie quarterback. I mean, I figured Belichick would have a pretty good game plan for Alvin Kamara, but he ends up with 118 total yards, a wide open touchdown catch on like a simple little delayed slant route out of the backfield that the Patriots completely blew the coverage on, on a third and seven, I think it was. I mean, there was a lot of things I was frustrated with, but I thought the defense just not really having an answer for that player was like head scratching. Like the Saints have no weapons right now. Like they're throwing a Deontay Harris and like Kenny Stills, who they just signed back. Like they have no weapons. And the one guy they've got is waltzing into the end zone for that score early in the game that kind of set the tone. So uh, that was one thing that, uh, you know, if I'm nitpicking, I'm looking at the defense and I'm like, what's going on there? I don't even think it's nitpicking. I think it's, it's actually the, spot where fans should be looking first yeah. for for answers and you know i i think there's two sides to this argument but i'm i'm firmly on one side on one side you could argue hey the patriots defense only allowed 21 points because there was a pick six so only th- you know only three of the touchdowns are technically the patriots defense fault so that's a pretty good game against the sean payton offense right and uh, the second half, the Patriots defense only allowed seven points. And they had, I believe, four drives in a row where it w- where the offense, the Saints offense only ran five plays or fewer. Essentially, there's there's some good things on the Patriots resume from this game, at least on the defensive side. I would argue that it wasn't enough, that that resume doesn't look strong enough. And the reason is pretty simple. When we talked about 
we we always reference that podcast where we talked about what you know what the Patriots need to do to to make the Super Bowl, but but really it's it's more about what they need to do to be a successful team, a team that can viably win games from week to week. Because right now that's not really what they are. They are they are in games, but they're not consistent enough to win games. And you know, I was talking with Phil Perry after the game. He works at NBC Sports Boston. He was like, "Well, you know, it really breaks down to a mistake here and a mistake there." And I was like, "Well, yeah, but." But that's what the Patriots for decades, those mistakes would go their way consistently week to week. And it wasn't because they were lucky. It was because they were better prepared and better and more resilient at overcoming mistakes so that we looked at the mistakes and saw them, you know, as as less impactful because they were they were fixing them or they were compensating for them. And right now we're seeing a team that can't do that, that. That's just not good enough. And in the the unit that was supposed to be good enough by week one was the defense. This was the group that was supposed to support the offense essentially to the point where they could the offense could kind of coast through games. And with the Saints game, uh, we saw that last drive where the Saints killed minutes of of clock and scored the final touchdown. The Patriots were trailing by eight points when the Saints had the ball. There was a third and seven. It was the first third down of that drive. And Jameis Winston uh, hits Deontay Harris for, you know, 11 yards or something like that. Easy first down, like way too easy first down. It was the most important third down, you know, of the game up to that point because if the Patriots get the, the Saints off the field at that point, the offense has about seven minutes to uh, close the gap of of an eight point game, and that's doable, I think, for that offense, which had been stalling in the red zone and maybe wasn't capable. But at least they get that chance. Um, they get they get the ball back in a one possession game, and we saw the same problem with the uh, Dolphins game. Now that one, I would say, is less on the defense. It's more on Damian Harris. He fumbles the ball on the nine yard line with three minutes left. Uh, a little over three minutes and the Patriots defense, which had been so dominant all game long, couldn't get the dolphins off the field. They chewed the clock to zero. So that was another situation again, less, less about the defense I'd say, but they could have helped. They could have gotten the dolphins off the field there in week one and given the offense one more shot, you know, even though they shot themselves in the foot. So, so, you know, I'm picking nits here, but I think also it's fair to do so because we expected the offense to need every opportunity. And we also then expected the Patriots defense to give them every opportunity. And, and so that's why I think I'm, I'm sort of going to say that both the defense and the offensive line, a similar unit that was supposed to sort of help lead the offense, both have been disappointing because neither have been exceptional. I think the Patriots got three phased, right? We had the blocked punt. The defense couldn't come up with that. Kisa, I, I hated that drive that you're referencing with the Deontay Harris uh, first down. And then they bring in Taysom Hill and he just like kind of, they just let him run the ball. He just runs over the Patriots. They score the clinching touchdown and whatever. The game's over. That's really frustrating. And then the offense, yes, the offensive line, definitely an issue in this one. I was watching Mac Jones kind of closely in this one, Henry, because as you wrote about on Patriots Wire, they opened it up a little bit more, right? We've been kind of, or at least I've been kind of like hoping they would do that. Like, let's see, let's take the trading wheels off and see what it looks like. Let's let them throw it. And they definitely threw it in this game. But like, what do you think about Mac in the, in the pocket? 
uh, especially, right? I, I feel like he's almost too calm and too statuesque in there sometimes. Like, how often did we see him, like, holding the ball, eyes down the field, calmly stepping up into a collapsing pocket, right? Like, I, m- my favorite part about Mac Jones besides him kind of getting hot in the second half and, and making it a game late was him rushing like him rushing for 28 yards. I'm like, okay, here we go. Like you can move. Like I've been waiting to see that. Cause like he's so statuesque at times in that pocket that when it starts collapsing on him, he's just, he's got guys hitting him as he's throwing and it's just a mess. And, and I wonder how much you can even see over some of those massive saints defensive linemen. But I thought him running the ball was like good. It's like, Mac, I need to see some more of that. You got to get outside the pocket and run around a little bit more. You can't just stand in there and get collapsed on every time. Well, I think my argument is half with you. I think, I think, he, you know, he's never going to be a mobile guy. There's, there's, there's actually there's not a lot of mobility. in his game. <laughs> We just need a little bit though. Like same with Brady, um, right? Like Brady couldn't move either, but at least like you got to yeah. know where to move in the pocket. Sometimes I feel like yeah. he's walking into saints defenders on Sunday. Right. Yeah, so so that is what I would say is is there's two things that he can do better, which is timing, like getting the ball out quicker, and then there's the sort of like you know the thing that he is really good at for the most part, which is sliding in the pocket, just steps here and there to create throwing windows. Um, you know, he's not the tallest guy; I think he's about six three, and so he he needs actually a little bit of space to throw, especially with a pocket getting really tight in front of him. The thing like that we saw, at least on the first interception, and the first interception was the one that was most his fault. He had three on the day. Second one was almost completely John o. Smith's fault, the tight end. And then the third one was kind of a product of circumstances. Garbage and time. seemed yeah, like, garbage time. Yeah, garbage time. Also seemed kind of like Nelson Aguilar did something wrong there, splitting, like improvising at the last second, splitting a direction. And Jones kind of expected him to do something else. Anyway, so then... That first one, though, is is most clearly on him. You know, he's kind of dropping back into the middle of the pocket. He takes the pockets really collapsing, like to the point where I didn't really understand how he wasn't already sacked. But he should have known. Like he, uh, the pocket was collapsing not just on the back side, on the blind side, but also in front of him. So he could feel literally his offensive lineman on his, you know, coming toward his his throwing shoulder. So he steps up and he can't get the ball off because the pass rusher that's coming, you know, he did a good job sensing the pressure from the blind side and stepping in. Um, he just didn't give himself uh, enough throwing space to get the ball off. And and so he gets, his elbow gets hit as it's coming up. The ball kind of just like flops up into the air, like a t-shirt getting shot out of the cannon, you know, those free <laughs> yeah. t-shirts. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly how it looked um, like. And you're and like, then, oh, that's going to get picked. <laughs> yep. And and then it was just like too easy for, for the Saints defenders to, to grab. I think PJ Williams got that one. So that one, that one's one of those timing things. And it's a mix of like, look, if he just takes a, a little bit of a step to the left, gives himself a little more space, or he just gets it off a little sooner. That's not an interception. And those are the moments where, you know, I think that's like a, that's a rookie mistake, not the end of the world. He just needs to learn from it. And uh, the other interceptions, I don't know, uh, you know, what he really could have or should have done all that differently. So I'm not, I mean, I'm not that down on Mac Jones after three weeks. I think, I think this game did did a good job of reminding the Patriots of what he's good and not good at. So they know their limitations. And that's it. That's if anything, that's why I keep getting back to this defense and this offensive line, because it's like, 
the Patriots drafted Mac Jones at 15 because he was game manager. You know, if, if he were a truly elite dual threat, accurate passer with, with good athleticism, like he wouldn't have lasted to 15. Uh, you know, people were worried about Mac Jones because they're afraid he's going to look like a dinosaur in five years when, you know, most quarterbacks in the NFL can run a 4-4. Yeah. Or, or, you know, in theory, right? Like, yep. Yep. like maybe we're going to get to that point where just like all quarterbacks can also run really fast. You know, we're seeing the, the position get more and more athletic and he would be sort of a regression away from that um, where he where he really can't run. So either way, he's got to develop as a passer, both physically, his arm needs to get a little stronger mentally, his his reads uh, and his release need to be a little bit faster. So there, there are a few things that are going to come along, and the one thing that they knew was that it wasn't going to happen right away, and they needed the offensive line and the defense to be better, and they just haven't been as truly elite. Doesn't mean that all of it can't come back, come together, that the defense won't start playing better, probably not this week against Tom Brady. But, um, but right now, every single phase of the Patriots team is frankly not quite good enough for them to play complementary football and that's how you win games. It sounds pretty boring, but you know every every position group needs to to be able to win. And when the offense is as limited as it is, that means that the Patriots' defense needs to actually set up its offense for for success. Meaning, they, the Patriots' defense needs to make sure opponents don't lead by a margin of basically greater than one touchdown. <laughs> Um, so that Mac Jones can do his quick, efficient pass, passing attack in complement to a strong run game. Because anything else, if you ask anything else of Mac Jones, he's he's pretty much not capable of it. Not yet, at least. No, nah, it's a, it's a it's a lot of good stuff in there. So so Henry, you're telling me not to not to go to bed hoping that he wakes up and, and turns into Kyler Murray next week. <laughs> so that's, that's not happening. I was excited about the 28 rush yards. It's just like, man, you can move. Okay, good. At least we know that you can move a little bit. No, I know. I, I don't need him to rush for a thousand yards. I just need him to move a little bit. Uh, but yeah, no, you mentioned Brady. Who has the advantage, the quarterback or the coach? You know, they both have a lot of knowledge about one another. Who who has the advantage? We'll get into that coming up next. This is the typical sports book fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. interesting. Welcome to week number four of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays. After a forgettable week three, Mac Jones, the rookie quarterback of the New England Patriots, takes on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. While normally I would avoid a rookie quarterback against this pass rush, the pass rush just hasn't been there yet for the Bucs. Only Washington has given up more points to quarterbacks, and that's mainly due to allowing a pair of rushing touchdowns. No team has given up more yardage than Tampa. There's a good chance that Tom Brady's offense will force the Patriots to throw more than they'd like. Running back Jonathan Taylor at the Miami Dolphins. Traditionally, I avoid players who are considered to be locks for lineups each week, but Taylor's been off to a sluggish start. In the event you're one of those antsy gamers who's looking to possibly bench him, a trip to the Miami Dolphins defense should do wonders. This unit has given up over 120 rushing yards, over 52 receiving yards, and a touchdown every 20.4 touches. This is a top 10 matchup across the board for fantasy football purposes. Lock in Taylor and expect a strong game despite the offensive line issues at the moment. Wide receiver Christian Kirk, Arizona Cardinals at Los Angeles Rams. Playing more than 60% of his snaps from the slot, Kirk is averaging a career-high in fantasy points per game and a career-high in receiving average. DeAndre Hopkins still may not be 100% by kickoff after suffering a rib injury in Week 2, and he and A.J. Green will have to contend with two of the strongest cornerbacks in the NFL. 
Expect a strong defense by the Rams on the outside to divert Kyler Murray to throwing inside to Christian Kirk. Rookie tight end Pat Fryermuth of the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Green Bay Packers. He is clearly the go-to tight end with Eric Ebron falling way behind on the target count. And Fryermuth has been more productive. This is a matchup that has game script for pass-heavy offense written all over it. Only one team has given up more receptions to tight ends than the Packers. This is the ninth best matchup to face for yardage. And this is the fourth best team to face for scoring efficiency. Target hog wide receiver Deontay Johnson is expected to return. There's no guarantee that he'll be 100%. While we may be one month into the season already, it's not too late. Go over to thehuddle.com to check out our award-winning fantasy football news, information, and advice. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Henry, what's your leadoff thought on Brady's return here? There's a, a few different storylines out there. Obviously, one of the bigger ones with was Belichick talking to one of the Boston sports radio stations and kind of flipping the narrative that he ushered Brady out of town because of his age and contract. Uh, basically saying, look, it was Tom's decision. You know, I didn't we certainly wanted him back, but it was Tom's decision. So I thought that was kind of fun. Him flipping that narrative. I'm all for all the mind games, by the way, with Belichick. Play all the mind games you can this week. And we'll get into that. But also this thing about Brady only needing 68 yards to set the all time passing record and break Drew Brees' thing and to do it at Gillette Stadium. Oh, man, that's just too good to be true. I'm sure the schedule makers had a thing or two to, you know, to say about that thing when they when they set this up in week four. Uh, But yeah, it's just uh, there's a few different storylines, uh, maybe a few too many to count. But what what piques your interest the most about Brady returning to uh, Gillette Stadium? The narrative of who scorned who, and you know which jilted lover was actually the one that instigated the departure. Is it none of it's going to be real? Like none of the information that we get over the course of next week, this week is really, especially if it's coming out of the mouth of Belichick or Brady, it's all it's all lies. Yeah, did it, <laughs> didn't like, Brady actually admit that he's like ninety percent of the things I say isn't the yeah. truth? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. I forgot, but he said that on an HBO show. Right. Uh, I think it was LeBron James's show. So, and th- and that's like. Belichick's like more like 99.9% of what he says (laughs) is not true. So imagine something as emotionally loaded as their relationship. I mean, we're just going to get nothing. The first one being Belichick saying, I want, yeah, I wanted Tom back. Of course I did. That's that's the first, that's the first, yeah, that's the first thing, right? Right there. No quarterback I'd rather have. (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, yeah. So definitely the like human interest element is this sort of like complicated, dynamic of two egos and the greatest you know at their respective position of all time and the winningest and all of this like emotionally loaded stuff of of boss and and pupil you know over the course of 20 years it's fascinating but it's also just something that we're never going to we're not never but this week we're not going to get the heart of it and so it you know that is something that will it will be fun to amp up the stakes but as for I think I think what's most interesting, honestly, is is what we'll see on the field. And that is who has the edge over whom? Is it going to be Belichick kind of scheming up a a special game plan for the, the player that he built? Or is it Tom Brady 
you know, surgically dissembling the defense that he played against for so many years. Yeah. And yep. in my mind, it's it's pretty clearly going to be Brady, you know, undressing uh, Bill Belichick's defense just because of the personnel problems that the Buccaneers pose for New England. Like, if Stephon Gilmore was playing in this game and, and uh, J, you know, J.C. Jackson was on Chris Godwin, Stephon Gilmore was on Mike Evans, you know, Adrian Phillips is on Gronk. You kind of like those matchups. Well, not kind of. You you really like those matchups a lot better than than what they're going to have to do with this Sunday, which is um, who knows. <laughs> you don't really know. I think they'll. I guess. Yeah, I really don't know what the. I, you know, we're just tra- we're just it's it's Monday when we're recording this, so I haven't gotten as far as thinking about what the matchups will be. Um, but basically. Tom Brady is going to have the advantage from a personnel standpoint. So uh, from a scheme standpoint, Belichick's going to probably do what he can. But ultimately, you know, the Patriots, are they, they, they didn't have Josh Uche last week. Jawan Bentley suffered an injury in, in the game. And all of a sudden that run defense just looks substantially worse. And they just don't have a lot of depth on the interior there. So there's some issues. And I'm, I'm fascinated to see if Bill Belichick can do something, anything, to stop Tom Brady, who's just been unstoppable this year, to the point where, you know, he'll all he has to do is throw 68 yards this week, and he will be the all-time passing leader, surpassing Drew Brees, who retired last year, last offseason. That's an exciting storyline in itself, too, is, yeah, it is. is and sort of a wild one uh, that that you know Brady hits this all-time career passing number against the New England Patriots like what a ridiculous coincidence just to have him makes makes such a huge accomplishment against Bill Belichick but but that's sort of like the the beautiful and random poetry that happens in in the NFL yeah no doubt about it and actually that plays into what I think is the Patriots only chance that thing the Brady breaking this record at Gillette Stadium he's going to do it sometime in the first half I'm sure and that plays into what I think the only chance the Patriots have And this this take is so good Henry that we're going to tease it so um, we're going to do that coming up next in our third segment when we talk about the betting line and get into the matchup a little bit deeper but first our friends from the Sportsbook Wire have their play of the week this is the typical sports book minute let's make this interesting hello i'm esther mclaren of bet and podcast and sportsbookwire.com here with my colleague jeff clark to break down the marquee sunday night football matchup between the tampa bay buccaneers and new england patriots the buccaneers are six and a half point road favorites at minus 122 odds in the battle of tom brady versus bill belichick Buccaneers are my pick to win by seven or more. This line seems soft. I don't care about Brady Belichick. This is a Super Bowl caliber Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Hasn't looked apart so far. Better days are ahead, and those are going to come against rookie Mac Jones and the Patriots. Jeff. I'm with you. I got the Buccaneers. I'll lay more than a touchdown or whatever it gets to. Brady's got all the motivation and all the help around him that Belichick doesn't. And Mac Jones is graded out or, excuse me, is discussed as if he were better than the rookie quarterbacks, whereas I think he's as bad as the rookie quarterbacks. And we should see a get-right game for the Tampa Bay defense that struggled through the first three weeks. I'll lay whatever with the Bucs. Let's just call it a touchdown. That was your typical sports book. 
Fantasy Minute. Win your fantasy football league with TheHuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Tipico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Tipico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Henry, as you said, 68 yards. That's all Brady needs to break the all-time passing record. And remember when Drew Brees broke it? I think it was in the Superdome in New Orleans, and they stopped. They definitely stopped the game, and he walked around saluting the fans, waving tears in his eyes, right? That whole thing. There was a moment on the field, and you could even if you're not a Saints fan, you're watching the game, you're like, oh, man, this is a big, this is a big moment. This is a big deal, Drew Brees breaking that record. Well, Brady's going to do that at Gillette Stadium, and I think the Patriots – should do everything they can to drum up the nostalgia. I think that's the only card the Patriots have, because as you said in the last segment, the personnel, oh boy, doesn't look good for the Patriots. How the Patriots have looked the first three weeks of the season doesn't look good for them at all. I don't like the Patriots in, in any phase in this game, but I do think like this, this thing, can we, get, can we turn Tom Brady, in one of the most fierce competitors in sports history, can we turn him into a puddle of his own emotions at Gillette Stadium, Henry, right? Can we play all the tribute videos? Can we stop the game? Can, can we have Belichick like go out there and do a salute or oh do something? God. You know what I mean? Like, this is the only chance we have in this game, and I'm all for it. I'm, can we play up the nostalgia <laughs> thing? That's where I'm at. I, I'm, like, a little embarrassed for you. That you're like, forget about beating them in football. Let's try and beat them. With emotion. Emotion. Which, this is, this is how like, we have to do it. Because physically, th- there's just the inevitable is going to happen, right? But, yeah. you know, emotionally, you never know. We need to talk. Like I said, Tom Brady needs to be turned into a puddle of his own emotions. And the Patriots have a shot. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> I've had crazier takes than that. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think um, I, again, I don't even know what to say to that. I think, <laughs> I, I think that Tom Brady is going to have his emotions in check. I think Bill Belichick is going to play, you know, a few games. But the truth is, when you get Tom Brady upset, that's the Tom Brady you don't want to face. You don't poke the bear. Remember John Elway said that many years ago after Deflate Gate? Yep. You don't poke the bear. Mm-hmm. So Bill Belichick's definitely not going to do that. And even saying, like, what he said today, or yeah, it was today on WEI, which was like, we, what did he say? He phrased it ambiguously. It was like, it wasn't a matter of us not wanting him. Yeah. So it was like a double negative. I didn't like that strategy at all, Henry. That doesn't play into my strategy. I want them to make Tom sad in the stout. Right. Like, and, you know, I yeah, don't want them to make him mad. That's very yeah. different. That's the emotion I'm not, that's the one I'm not trying to go to. I'm not trying to push yeah, that button. So that was what I was getting at is, <laughs> is if there is any uh, reality in what you're saying, that, that, that that's where it's lies. Not. Because it, an angry Tom Brady is the bad one and a sort of contented and yeah nostalgic you know that's probably where the the hope lies i guess you you like that take you're just not sure about it yet it's gonna take you it's gonna grow on you you know in boston time this podcast publishes on thursday i'm gonna yeah. be like you're gonna be like take it off the air take it just cut that out no uh you know in boston we love our tribute videos i want to see a tribute video like once every 15 minutes i want a tom brady tribute video play you know what i mean just like, overdo it do whatever you yeah. can uh, kill him but, with kindness but the bucks are on the typical sportsbook app six and a half point favorites coming to foxborough you know i talked myself into you know liking the patriots against the saints and that backfired on me 
And I just think like, I don't think the Bucks are playing their best football by any means, Henry. I mean, they almost lost at home to Dallas. They were in a tight one with a bad Atlanta team in week two. They, fi- you know, they finally pulled away in the fourth quarter. They just got smoked by the Rams. I mean, they definitely have some issues on defense and some injuries on defense. They're not tackling very well. Brady is playing very, very well, and that's been helping them. But I still don't think I, I, I can back the Patriots in this game at all. Six and a half seems like a really fair price to bet the Bucks. I just think I think Brady's going to come and he's going to slice and dice the Patriots. Even if he's upset, even if he's sad, he's going to uh, end up slicing and dicing the Patriots. And I, I love the Bucks at six and a half. If you're giving me a number under seven, uh, I think I'm quickly going to my sportsbook app, uh, wherever it's legal for you, where, wherever sports betting is legal. And I'm placing a, a friendly wager on the Bucks to, be, to, to cover that spread against the Pats. Yeah, I kind of like the Bucks in this game at that line. I'm with you. Like, I don't know. I, this, the Rams may, may well be, at this very moment, best team in the NFL. They look really good. <laughs> they, they look great. I mean, they are, they are probably even better than people would have expected with Matthew Stafford and... Um, and and uh, Sean Sean McVay. Yeah. People are hearing like the tinkling of metal in the background. It's because my Australian Shepherd is hearing us talking and <laughs> wants us to play with her toy. But anyway, um, this is what happens when you podcast remotely, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we once did a show from the forest, right? You, you were out right. in the forest with your dog, so this is not yeah. nothing new for us. Yeah, I took everybody on a walk with me through the woods in New Hampshire. <laughs> you were like, not to cut you off, but you were like, at the end of that show, you were like, oh, maybe I'll do this every week. I'm like, Henry, no, we can't have you doing this every week. You can't be, you can't be hearing leaves crunching under your feet after everything yeah, you said. Yeah, that's probably not the best <laughs> Go on. studio in I love, that. I love that story. Go on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, so so the Rams beat them, but, but I don't think that's necessarily a, a, a good example of like, you know, whether the, the Bucks are a good or a bad team. Like, I think they're they're a great team. I think the Patriots are a really bad football team right now. Yes. Like, like very, very bad. They're like, I am mediocre. At I'm best. sort of alarmed as a person who covers the team. Like, what will this team be relevant for very long? That's how alarmed I am because they just don't have – they don't have anything that they do well, period. And, you know, I, like I said, the defense needs to be a lead if they're going to win. They're not doing it. The offensive line needs to be a lead if they're going to score any points. They're not doing it. The special teams could just be good, but they're making constant mistakes that are costing them field position battles. Yep. It's really ugly. I do not anticipate the Patriots being competitive against the defending Super Bowl champions. No matter how emotional Tom Brady is, <laughs> the talent gap is just so severe that I think a touchdown difference is very reasonable for betters. Looking for a nice sharp bet this weekend. Yeah, there it is. I mean, the Patriots, I mean, and a lot of people are saying, oh, I'm, there, a lot of people are backing the Patriots. And they're saying, I see it all over my social media timeline. And it's like, why? <laughs> like, why? I think they're averaging 18 points per game. And yeah. you can't run the ball, throw short passes, punt, and kick field goals and beat the Bucks. You, you need. Yeah. We, we know how you beat Brady from watching it for two decades. You got to be aggressive. You got to do what Sean McVay did. And they went after him through the air. You have, that's what you have to do. You have to put up right. points. And the Patriots just aren't set up, as you've been saying all yeah. you know this entire pod, Henry. They're just not set up to do that. So I think it could be a long day for Patriots fans who don't enjoy seeing uh, Brady win. Um, and the total at 48 and a half. Just because of the Brady factor, I think this is the only game where I'll I'll consider looking at the over. 48 and a half is a lot for a Patriots game this year. 
Uh, but I do, I do think that if Brady has a chance to put a couple more touchdowns in Bill's face at the, in the fourth quarter, that Arians will be like, oh, yeah, screw it, you know, throw that thing. You know, so I think if Bruce Arians could get Brady five touchdown passes, he will. If, if he could get a, one more to Gronk just to rub it in, I, I, I think that's in play. I don't think the Bucks are going to take their foot off the gas pedal if it's a, a lopsided game in the fourth quarter. So I, I would give consideration to the over, Henry. Usually I would stay away from the total or going over with a Patriots game. But this one, maybe I would look at the over and think about it. So my guess for what the scoring looks like in this is like Bucks are near – Bucks are in the 30s and the Patriots are like in the teens. So close. Yeah, right, close. Right, along that, right along that line. The one thing I, I kind of get worried about for when you want to bet the over with the Patriots is how bad they are on offense. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like with, with just the straightforward Bucks. analysis this week from Henry. You know, yeah, seriously, the, the, with the Bucks defense being as good as it is, like like as good as the Saints, for example. You know, there's a real possibility that, that the Patriots only score like 13 points, and so even if even if the the Bucks put up five touchdowns, that's that's exactly 48 points, and you've gone under. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, I'm I've been kind of a softy uh, and being not strong about picking betting every week, but. That over under is if I was forced to bet in this case, I would bet bet the Bucks to cover, and I would not bet on the over under. Um, and if told that I had to pick, I would probably bet the under actually for Patriots Bucks. Yeah, like you know, a lot of a lot of people are going to be talking about Tom Brady, but Vita Vea is a person that probably scares me the most for Mac Jones. <laughs> I just hope he's alive at the end of this game. <laughs> yeah. After watching that Saints game, it's like, oh my god! I mean, how are they going to block the Bucks? Like, I don't know. It's going to be hard, man. Could be a long day. Could be a long day. But hey, you know, like I said, my life is just absolute craziness. So just this is just another one, right? This is just another one. I, I, I but I cannot wait for this game, Henry. I mean, this as a fan, like. It doesn't get much better than this, right? Like Brady, Belichick, Brady coming home. I can't wait to see the reaction of the fans and what he looks like and his attitude. And I'm sure he's going to, you know, like you said, have his emotions in check. I'm sure he won't shed a tear. But, boy, if we see him during the National Anthem, Henry, a little bit of tears in his eyes. Oh, man, look out. The Pats might be in play. <laughs> you're like, you're like, we've got this. We've got this. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Maybe that is like. Maybe that is pivotal to Bill Belichick's you, you, not just scheme, but emotional scheming. Yeah, he'll be tears of Brady's eyes during the national anthem, and then a three and out for the Bucks, and you're going to be on Twitter like, "Oh no, this can't happen." So, <laughs> anyway, everybody enjoy the game of the century. Pat's Bucks doesn't get much better. Uh, Henry and I will hopefully be back next week, right? Unless there's a baby, unless I have a baby to deal with, Henry. So we'll uh, hopefully we're back next week to break this thing down. Otherwise, we'll just do it as soon as possible. Sound good to you? Sounds good. All right, we'll talk to you all then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. 